If you're just joining us, Esther is the story of a brave young Hebrew woman whose heroic acts saved not only herself, but also her people, the Jewish people. From who? From the hands of a wicked tyrant named Haman, who I call Haman the Horrible. And that's what the story's about. And Again, why do we do character studies? Why do we spend time doing that? It's because we can learn so much from their lives that can help us and encourage us and inspire us in our lives. Uh, The book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 4, says this, speaking of the Scriptures, it says, For whatever things were written before, for whatever things were written before, were written for our learning. Another version says, for our instruction. They can teach us things. That we, through the patience and comfort of the Scriptures, might have hope. I tell you, we live in a bad news world, and we need some good news, amen, in, in these times. And so, 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 so we're, we're, we're hope producers. We are, we're, we're to be a people of a hope because we serve a God of hope. Can I hear a good amen to that? Uh, Deal Moody said this, The Scriptures were not given to increase our knowledge. They're not just given to increase us so we can be uh, smarter or more proficient. He says this, the scriptures were not given to increase our knowledge, but to change our lives. And my prayer is every time I preach, every time I share, every time that something in you would shift, something in you would change, that if you came out here, my desire is when you, you, you come in here that you go out better than you came in. Come on. Just a little bit changed, just a little bit that God, that God would do something on the inside of you. And so my desire is that as you hear her story, that it would inspire hope in you as you seek to live out your story in what is a pretty crazy time in the world at the moment. And so today, Queen Esther is to approach the king. If you were with us last time, you'll remember uh, uh, where we were at in the story. But today, Queen Esther is to approach the king and to do so uninvited could result in her death. Haman the horrible, the arch enemy of the Jews, has issued a decree for operation, what I'm calling Operation Elimination, with orders to massacre, kill, and eliminate all Jews, youngsters and old men, women and babies. This guy was a bad dude. On a single day, the 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. And so chapter 4 tells us that Mordecai and all the Jews everywhere were in fear for their lives. And so Mordecai told Esther, he said, go to the king. Esther, go to the king and intercede and plead with him for your people. We are your people, Esther. Go and plead with the king for your people. She pushes back and tells Mordecai, I can't just go to the king. This isn't some type of normal, I can't just pop in and, and, and say, hey, could you give me a few, few minutes? She tells Mordecai, I just can't do that. She, she said, everyone knows, everyone knows that there is a single fate for every man or woman who approaches the king without being invited, death. The one exception is if the king extends his gold scepter, then he or she may live. And she said, and it's been 30 days Now, since I've been invited to come to the king, remember by this stage, they've been married five years. Maybe things weren't, you know, like they were when they first first met. And then Mordecai says this, and this is that passage, which is like, 
If, if you've memorized any passage of the Bible, this is probably one that you sort of know. You might not know it exactly, but you sort of know it. It's out there. It's one of the more famous uh, verses in the Bible, sort of like, you know, uh, uh, um, you know, for God so loved the world and so on. It's one of those passages people would know. You know, so if you, people say, have you ever memorized a bit of the Old Testament? You could say, oh, yeah, yeah, I know this a little bit. And Esther, but he says this. Mordecai says, who knows? Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a, and you finish it, for such a time as this. In other words, Mordecai was saying, Esther, maybe this is the reason you're here. Maybe this is the reason you were born. Maybe this is the reason why you're on God's green earth. Maybe this is the reason why for such a time as this. And of course, Mordecai's not really sure because that's not a statement. It's a question. He's like, who knows? Who knows? And he, he, he was not sure. He was really saying, look, Esther, it might go well. It might go well, but you might also be killed. So it was like, we don't know what's going to happen, but we've got to do something. So it might go well, but you might be killed. Who knows? God knows. And, and you've got to understand the threat was real. It wasn't an empty thing that was going on. How do I know the threat was real? The threat was real simply, simply because Queen Vashti, if you remember Queen Vashti from chapter one, long time ago, many parts ago. But in Queen, she stood up against the king and what happened? She's gone. She's taken out. So, so this is, you, you don't mess around with Persian kings. If they want you gone, you're gone. So there is a real threat in this situation. You don't mess with the king. So anyway, Esther deals with her doubts. And then she says this to Mordecai, go gather together all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my maids will fast as you do. When this is done, I will go to the king, even though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. If I perish, I perish. And so Esther's like, this is it. I'm going before the king. I'm going to do it now. Her mind's made up. She's dealt with her doubts. She's like, I'm going to, I'm going to do this. She calls a fast. And just some things to notice as she does that, she calls the fast. Uh, notice that Esther doesn't fast in order to make a plan. She makes a plan and then she fasts. I'll say that again. Esther doesn't fast in order to make a plan. She makes a plan and then she fasts. Can I just say, so, so many Christians are so afraid to move, so afraid to make a decision, so afraid to turn in any direction. It's like, God, until you tell me, until I see the thing in the sky or the sign over, over there, I will not move. Not Esther. She made a plan, and then she fasts, then she soaks it, then she, she covers her decision with prayer and Fasting. Why? Because she understood, as it says in Scripture, the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord. It, it tells us in Psalm 37, verse 23, the steps of a good man or woman are ordered by the Lord, and He delights in their way. And so as, as, as she steps out, she, she, she covers her steps with prayer, I want to tell you, when it comes to the Lord's direction, don't be paralyzed. Don't be stuck. Oh, Lord, should I go left? Shall I go right? Again, you're, again this is pagan kind of 
thinking. You need to trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Acknowledge Him in all your ways that He will make your path straight. Allow as you step out, you take that step. Just cover it with prayer. The Lord knows our hearts. So that's what she did. And so as she steps out, she covers her steps with prayer and fasting. And now I'm just going to be honest here. Fasting is not one of my favorite subjects. I'm guessing by that laugh, it's not one of your favorite subjects either. But there's no doubt fasting is a forgotten spiritual discipline. Like I said, not my favorite subject. But there's no doubt that there will be times to feast in our lives, but there will also be times to fast. And of course, Esther, when you think about Esther, Esther is a uh, book of banquets, 10 chapters, 10 feasts, 10 banquets and all. There's a lot of feasting going on there. And, and, and you know, I've, I've, got to, I've got to admit, I, I find it easier to feast than to fast for obvious reasons. Yeah, go, come on. Anybody else? I mean, come on. It's easier to feast than it is. Thank you for your honesty, Spencer, the only person who put your uh, hand up. Yeah, it's just keeping it real. But testing times, testing times are often the things that call us or, or rather drive us to our knees. It's interesting that in the good times, Esther's maids feasted with her, but in the hard times, they fasted with her. Testing times are often the, the things that call us to to fast, and if ever there was a testing time, 2020 has got to be it. But things happen in our lives that can often drive us to our knees. I, I remember the first time I went to India, I, I was just a young man, maybe 20, 21 or so, and I, I, I flew to India for the first time to do a discipleship training course there, and I I remember arriving in India, and I'd never felt heat like that before. It was the hottest. I think it was like, I don't know, 40, 40 degrees or something ridiculous like that. And so I'm like, oh, my goodness, I think this is, this is, this is really hot. And, and just, just the, the, the hustle and the bustle. You know, I arrived in a city of uh, 18 million people, the, uh, people everywhere. It was just overwhelming. And, and, and by the time I'd been there a couple of days, I, I was really going, I think the Lord's calling me back to New Zealand. That's what I, uh, I, it was one of those, kind, I was having culture shock. I was just getting, I was getting overwhelmed. And, and a, a, a real fear gripped my life. I, I felt like, you know, every time I ate something or every time I uh, drank something, it's like, okay, is this water okay? Is this, is this food okay? And, 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 I, I, and then I started thinking, I'm going to die here. I'm going to die here. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to die here. And it wasn't just like some random thought. The, the reason I thought that I could possibly die there is because a student from the last course that I was attending did die. An Australian girl, beautiful girl, a nurse, Drank some stuff, ate some stuff, she got sick, and she died. And so that was one of the first things I heard that they told me, probably not a good thing to tell me, when I arrived, oh yeah, we had one Australian girl, and I'm a Kiwi, we're just practically neighbors. She died, I'm thinking I'm going to die. 
And so I started not eating things. I started avoiding food. I started avoiding uh, water. And then I'd get to a place where I, I'd be so thirsty that I'd do dumb stuff. Like I, I remember I was so thirsty walking in heat that was unbelievable with nothing to drink. I saw water bubbling. Well, let's, I hope it was a spring. But it was water bubbling up, but I had to drink it because I was so, so thirsty. And, and I ended up, you know, because it, it was different, right? It was a, a different environment. It's like, you know, we, we ate a lot of vegetables. We had a lot of, I remember one guy saying to us, hey, do you want chicken for dinner? I'm like, oh man, I would love chicken for dinner. He brings us a live chicken. I was like, chickens are alive? I mean, it's just like, it's a... I mean, it was just a whole different world. And, and, and I want to tell you, I got really sick while I was there. The first few months I was there, I got really, really sick. I got amoebic hepatitis. I turned yellow. I, 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 it was bad. And I, I, I lost, you're not going to believe it, I lost 28 kgs. I found it again. Amen. Come on. It's just like, but I lost 28 kgs. I was the slimmest, trimmest, good lookingest. That's why Anita fell for me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, what's happened to you now? <laughs> Get back to how it was. That's a whole nother message. But I got, I, I got, I got so, so sick. And, and, and towards the end of my, and I, I got through most of it, you know. Again, we were sleeping outside on the ground. We were just, it was just, it was a crazy, crazy time. And I was due to go home, and I was dropping in Australia, one of our other guys off there, the other foreigner who was with us, because it was an in, in Indian uh, uh, discipleship training school. And so we were dropping him off at the airport at about 2 o'clock in the morning, and our rickshaw rolled. If you can roll a rickshaw, we rolled it. We rolled it. It was going full speed, a motorized rickshaw. It rolled. I stuck my foot out the side with my jandals. I rolled on my foot, ripped half my foot off, and I spent three weeks in a Bombay hospital. Not the kind of hospital you want to be in. It was all right, but it was not the kind of hospital you'd want to be in. And so I'm, I, I'm dealing with all this fear. I'm dealing with all this, all this stuff. And so eventually, it's like I, I, it's time to return home. And they had to forklift me, literally, onto the airplane. This is before the days of you know, the air bridges. So I literally was on a fork, forklift. They lifted me up on my wheelchair into the plane because I couldn't, couldn't walk. I had skin grafts and all kinds of things. And so as the plane is taking off, running down the runway of uh, Bombay or now Mumbai Airport, I felt the Lord quickly whisper into my spirit. I've only felt the Lord speak to me in that kind of way a couple of times in my life. But it was like, you're coming back. And so I knew it wasn't like, oh, no, I'm coming back. It was like, I just knew that's what I was to do. This is where the next part of my life was uh, going to be. And I understand a lot of history for me. My, my grandmother was born in India. My great-grandfather was a missionary there. And so it was just like, you were coming back. And a plane took off. But I had to deal with that fear. And so I got to a place where we were getting closer and closer to having to return it's like, I've got to deal with this fear of eating and drinking and all this kind of, I can't do that, that fear of sickness and things. I, I need to deal with that. And so I decided to fast, and so I fasted. And the fast was like an open-ended fast. I'm just going to, I'm going to keep fasting until I, I feel the Lord just like goes, that's it. It's done. It's taken care of. 
That fast lasted for about a week when I felt the Lord say, that's it, done. Um, yeah, I, I, I've, if you like, heard your cry. I've heard your prayer. And, I, and for that moment, it was settled. It was done. But I remember flying back for the second time to India. Now I'm uh, uh, married and we, we fly into Mumbai. It's in the middle of the night. It's very dark. It's a very overwhelming city. People sleeping everywhere on the roads. You know, again, in, in, in Bombay, if you, if you run over a traffic island, you'll kill 10 people. I mean, it's just like that. There are people sleeping everywhere. And so we ended up in this kind of dingy motel, really low lighting, dark. And, uh, uh, and I remember Anita said to me, here's some peanuts. Do you want some peanuts? They were the hotel peanuts. And I remember just looking at those peanuts and, and suddenly that fear got me again. I can't eat this. And then I suddenly remember what the Lord had done, what the Lord had spoken. And I was like, oh no, I can eat this. I, I, I fast, I've, I've, I've felt, I've got the word of the Lord on the inside for this. And, and so I, I ate them and I've, I've just got to be honest, I never stopped eating after, <laughs> uh, after that. And, and for, for, I'm just telling you, for 11 years in India, I never got sick. In fact, I haven't got sick every time I've got, I've spent years and years there. I never got sick. I don't, I don't, I'm in coughs and colds and stuff, but I'm talking about never like the first time I got sick. You know, there's something about uh, uh, fasting. Someone said this, and, and I think it's kind of true. You, you can get the big picture, but fasting gives you the details. It allows you to get the detail, to, to, to dig in a little bit deeper. And I guess the challenge for us today is that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, he said, when you fast, not if you fast, when you fast. And so my challenge to us today as believers is when was the last time you fasted? When was the last time you were driven to your knees and gone, God, I need your guidance. I need your help. I need you to intervene. I, 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 that's the challenge to us today. And when I'm talking about fasting, I'm not talking about fasting social media or I'm going to not go on Facebook. No, no, I'm talking about Bible fast, food. When was the last time you fasted? I just leave that there. So Esther fasts. She prepares to go before the king. In Esther chapter 5, verse 1, it says, On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes. Esther put on her royal robes, and she stood in the inner court of the palace, in front of the king's hall. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance, when he saw Esther, Queen Esther, standing in the court. He was pleased. He was pleased with her, and he held out the gold scepter that was in his hand. So Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given to you. If it pleases the king, replied Esther, let the king, together with Haman, come today to a banquet that I have prepared. Everybody say prepared. Yeah. That I have prepared for him. So let me just give you four thoughts today from this passage of Scripture that we have just read out. There are many thoughts you could bring out. I'm just going to give you four that mean something to me, and hopefully they'll encourage you 
and make you think. Number one, when Esther comes before the king, Esther puts on her royal robes. Remember, she was mourning. Remember, Mordecai's in sackcloth. He's crying throughout the town. But when Esther comes before the king, she puts on her royal robes. In other words, she dresses not to please herself, but to please the king. She dresses not to please herself, but to please the king. Hear me now. Never make following Jesus about you. Never make Christianity about me, myself, and I. Never make your journey with Jesus about you. God, not man, should be the focus of our faith. God is the object. God is where our eyes should be focused. God, not me, or you, should be the focus of our worship. God, not my needs, not my desires, not my wants, should be the focus. We are to... Seek him first, Jesus said. Matthew 6, verse 33. But seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom of God. We need to understand it is a kingdom. We serve a king. Not just a king. But the king of kings and the Lord of lords. I think sometimes we forget it in our relationship with God, we forget it, we don't understand, we miss the picture, we become too casual, we become, but we've got to understand. We're talking about a king and a kingdom. And our desire should always, as was Esther, should always be to please the king. And so my second challenge to you today is live in such a way to please the king. Whatever you put on, Esther put on her royal robes. I don't know what you put on your life. I don't know what you dress yourself in. I don't know what you, but I, I want to tell whatever it is, live in such a way to please the king. There's a lot more I could say on that. I'm not going to. Number two. The second thing we can pull from that scripture is that it says Esther stood. Esther stood in the inner court where the king could see her. She stood. She didn't throw herself on the ground and say, Oh, King, live forever, have mercy on me. And cry out and, you know, God, I know you, king, you can take a life and you can do this or you can do that. No, no, she just stood. Didn't throw herself on the ground crying, have mercy. She stood confident, strong, and secure. The Bible is silent as to whether she was nervous or not. The king obviously could take her life just like that if he wanted to. But how could she stand before the king seemingly without fear? Well, maybe it was because she had come from three days of fasting and seeking God. And I guess the thing I want to say here 
today is when you get on your knees before God, you can stand before any man. You might be facing situations where you're going, I don't know how I'm going to do it. When you, when, you, when you get on your knees before God, you can stand before any man. In fact, someone said this, a person never stands taller than when they're on their knees. She is a Jew, knew King Xerxes ultimately had no power except what God gave him. And as I was reading this, I immediately thought of Jesus standing before the, the Roman governor, Pilate. And the crowd was yelling, crucify him. And Pilate said to Jesus, because Jesus was saying nothing. Jesus, the Bible tells us before his accusers were silent. I don't know how you react before your accusers or when people pick on you, but Jesus was silent. And Pilate said to him, do you, do you refuse to speak to me? Do you realize I have the power either to free you or crucify you? And I love this next verse. It says, Jesus looking into his eyes. Now that's a stare. <laughs> Can you imagine that? It's like, here's Pilate, I'm thinking he's somebody with the king of kings. Looking into his eyes. I, it's not just looking into his eyes. He's looking into his heart. He's looking into his soul. Can you imagine that look? Jesus looking into his eyes. Says you would have no power over me. If it were not given to you from above. No power. Proverbs 21 verse 1 says. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. He directs it like the watercourse. Wherever he pleases. I want to tell you, no king has ever intimidated God. No pharaoh, no emperor has ever intimidated God. No matter how big or how powerful that king, that emperor, that pharaoh thinks he is, I want to tell you, God can handle anyone. He can handle your wife mm -hmm. and your husband. <laughs> he can handle that friend who's let you down or said things against you he can handle the mayor he can handle government we've got elections coming on we've got voting this week it's like what's going to happen I, he, God is not sitting there biting his fingernails going ooh He can handle your worst enemy and he can for sure handle you. And what we've got to do is trust him. We've got to trust him. Because we've got to stand in the hands of the Lord. Any heart is like water. Esther could stand unafraid because she knew that God was ultimately over it all. And I want to say to you today, in the challenges we face and you face, we need to know that. Matthew 6, it says, as we seek his kingdom first, the Father knows what we need. You've got to understand the context of that scripture is about what? Don't worry. Don't worry. Your Father knows what you need. 
Trust him. He, he knows what you need even before. You ask the whole context of that. But seek him first and he will take care of all the things that you're worrying about in 2020. Seek him first. Don't worry, he's got this. Thirdly, from that scripture, we can see that Esther received favor. Scripture tells us that the king saw Esther standing there and he was pleased with her. It says Esther obtained favor in the king's sight. The Hebrew word there for favor is, also means grace. Here the king extends the gold scepter to Esther. She approaches and touches it. What's the scepter? The scepter represents the king's authority. It represents his sovereignty over his subjects. And as I thought about this, it's just a reminder again of God's grace towards us of the Father's mercy towards us. We who are sinners, we who are unable to save our, ourselves. God, our Father in heaven, extends His grace, His hand of mercy. He reached out to us. And here, here, here's the thing. There's nothing Esther could do the king reached out. And I want to tell you in the same way, there's nothing we can do to earn God's grace or to earn God's favor. There's nothing. There's nothing we can bring to the table. There's nothing we can offer. We are like beggars before a holy God. This is never about what we can do. It is always about what He has done. And so while Esther's standing there, he stretches out a, his hand, his gold scepter. And I want to tell you, your Father in heaven does the same for us. This is a beautiful picture of his relationship with his people. There's nothing we can do, nothing we can somehow obtain. God himself has reached out to us when we were lost, when we could find no way out. God Himself, the hand of the Lord is not too short that it cannot save. He has reached out to us. You did not choose Him. He chose you and He's called you and appointed you for a purpose. There's nothing we can do. But the King extends grace. The King extends favor. The king had no obligation to do that. He had no need to do it. He chose to do it. Esther said as she was to approach the king, she said this, she said, if I perish, I perish. But the king loved Esther. And like I say, this is the picture of the father's love for us. And that the King of Kings loves us. How do I know? For the Bible tells me so. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only 
son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Esther understood that the king has no need to give grace, no need to show grace. It's completely up to the king. Yet our king and our God loves us. And not wanting anyone to perish. But everyone, as it says in 2 Peter 3, 9, but everyone to come to repentance. That everyone would receive grace, favor. His provision is available to whosoever wills. The king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? What, what is your request? Even up to half your kingdom, it will be given to you. And of course, this is Esther's chance. This is her moment. This is what she was born for, for such a time as this. This was her for such a time as this moment. This is it. Anything you want, Esther, up to half your kingdom. After all the tears and the fasting and the worry, this is her chance to get what she wants, deliverance for the Jewish people. And so she opens her mouth and speaks with great authority and says, hey, would you and Haman come over for a feed? Come over for dinner. I'm putting a bit of a feed on at the palace. I want you to, you and Haman to come over. You can, you, you can imagine Mordecai sitting out in the surveillance van, speaking into Esther's earpiece. Going, what are you doing, Esther? What are you doing? You, you, this was your moment. This was a chance. This was the place to do it. What are you doing? And, and, and maybe he's thinking, uh, she's got hungry, right? She's been fasting for three days. She's like, I'm starving. I can't do it anymore. I have got to eat something first. I don't know. What's going on? Maybe she's so hungry, she's got, she's got to eat before she can do anything else. So Esther, what are you doing? The king asks you what you wanted up to half your kingdom, and you ask him for dinner, what are you doing? Well, Esther was doing exactly what God had wanted. This is where the details come in. She had just come from three days of fasting and seeking God. She was at peace. She was, she was not rushed like we get rushed. She was not hurried. See, because Esther understood the king's, the king's heart. She understood that he loves banquets. She understood that, that, that he, he loves to eat and drink. Remember, it's a theme of the book. In fact, the book of Esther, if you look at the decrees and the edicts that are made throughout the book of Esther at all the 10 banquets, you will see that many of the decrees and edicts, both good and bad, are made around banquets. The book starts with a party. It ends with a party. And you've got to think about even the Jewish feasts. Much of Jewish life is done around the table. In our 8 a.m. service every week, we gather around the table of the Lord. Do you remember the Lord's Supper? Much is done around tables. That's why connect groups are important because I want to tell you, church is more than just staring at the back of someone's head every Sunday. And going, boy, he's lost some here this week. Because we sit, usually sit behind the same people every, every week. But, 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 but I want to tell you, we're meant to be doing life around the table. We're meant to be uh, doing life. This is why it's important to be part of a connect group. You're meant to be doing life together, face-to-face, fellowshipping around the table, doing life together. 
so she knew that the way to this king's heart was truly through a stomach. Number four, it's the last point, nearly finished. Esther was expecting God to do something. She wasn't just hoping God would do something. There was a faith element to her ask. How do I know that? Well, it's simple. The banquet for the king and Haman was already prepared. She wasn't waiting, let's see what they say. Maybe they'll come, maybe they won't. Maybe I'll have to think of something. No, she'd already prepared the banquet. She already had the plan. She'd soaked it and covered it with prayer and fasting. She already had prepared the feast. Even while she was fasting, she was preparing a feast, kind of like when you go on a diet, but you've still got to feed the kids. It's still got to have, she's like, I'm preparing the feast. There was, a, there, there was an element of faith to her ask. Esther put her faith into action. And my, my challenge to you today, or my final challenge, is what are you expecting God to do? What faith risks in your life are you taking? What are you believing for? What, have you, what are you preparing? What are you stepping out in? What faith adventures? What are you getting ready? What are you preparing? What is it that you're soaking with prayer and fasting? What are you, what are you believing for God to do in and through you? Because we're designed more than for just believing. James chapter 2, verse 14, what good is it? My brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds or no action, can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. And I love this piece of scripture because the action and works it describes is not some spooky thing. It's a, it's a, it's a practical picture of feeding and clothing and looking after the poor and the needy. That's why I love Sari Saturday. Awesome job there, by the way, all those who helped on putting that together. What a Sari Saturday. It's putting faith into action. People went to India, saw these children, and were like, we've got to do something. We can't continue. We can't let them live like this. Let's do something. We didn't just say, hey, be blessed. Have a nice life. You, you, you just you know, hope you make it. No, people were moved and did something. And for now many, many years, those children are fed. You can't help everyone, but you can help someone. Can't do everything, but you can do something. And so on a personal level today, as we close, where are you personally putting your faith into action? That's my final challenge. The king replies, bring Haman at once. The king said, so that we may do as Esther asked. So the king and Haman went to the banquet Esther had prepared. We've seen already as we've gone through this that Esther 
between chapters, there are years that go by. But not in the next little bit. The next little couple of chapters are 24 hours roller coaster, one thing happening after another that culminates in the deliverance of the Jewish people. What happens? We'll see next time when we gather for part seven for hopefully the final part of Esther. I pray that you've been stirred today. I pray you've been challenged today. Put God first. Dress to please the King. Make sure your worship is always about Him, never about you. Where are you stepping out in faith? Preparing and soaking it and fasting in prayer for how God will use you. Would you stand, please? Again, if you need prayer for anything after the service, there is a prayer station over here, and they will pray for anything, any need that you have. Again, it's so important that you sign up for Connect Groups and be a part of that. People say, oh, I've been here a while. I don't know anybody. That's a good way to get to know people. You're, you're just one service. There are three services. There are a whole lot of other people in the church who you can get to know and find out and Maybe your best friend's just a connect group away. Okay, I'm not talking about that. <laughs> and he's like, hmm. Okay, well, it could be. Who knows? I mean, you never you ne- never know. Rachel and Timo. About time, Timo. Awesome. Give it up for Timo. He's been brave enough to do it. Well done, well done. Gave everybody a shock last night. Put on, yeah, it's done, it's done. We've been saying, come on, Timo, come on. There you go, Rachel. All good, all good, all good. Let's stretch out our hands. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you 